0: Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. Uh, I have a real treat for you today. Uh, A writer who's been on a few times before here to talk about his current work, both for DC and Marvel and some other exciting projects. It's my pleasure to welcome Gene Luen Yang back to the show. Gene, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you. Thank you,
0: Jace. Thanks so much for having me again. Yeah. uh, Excited to have you and talk a little monkey prints. We've covered every issue. Everybody, if you've been listening to our DC spotlights, and every time we do, I, I talk about how amazing it is. How much uh, culture is in the book that as a a Westerner, I know very little about Chinese mythology and and that sort of thing. And it's so cool to have it blended in with this real fun and adventurous and, uh, you know, superhero centric story set in the DC universe. So, uh, Gene, what, what would you if somebody was coming up and said, I don't have any idea what Monkey Prince is about. Give us the elevator pitch and then talk a little bit about how their project came about at DC. Sure, sure.
1: So the uh, the Monkey Prince is really Bernard Chang and Jessica Chen, who's the editor. Bernard Chang is the artist, uh, and, and my it's it's our way of bringing Chinese mythology into the DC universe. You know, in a lot of the same ways that Greek mythology is already part of the DC universe. The Wonder Woman or Norse mythology is a huge part of. Uh, the Marvel Universe through Thor we wanted to do the same kind of thing with the East Universe in in Chinese mythology Um, one of the most famous books in China is called Journey to the West it was written about 500 years ago it's considered one of the pillars of Chinese literature so the way we think of the works of Shakespeare, in the English-speaking world—you know—that's the way Chinese speakers think of Journey to the West. So, so, Journey to the West is a is a really big deal within Chinese literature. The way we think of like the works of Shakespeare is how Chinese speakers think of Journey to the West. That the novel written five hundred years ago—it tells the story of the Monkey King, who is like a—he's like a god, right? He he was a, a magic monkey who was born out of a stone, and then he eventually. Realizes that he's going to die one day and it kind of freaks him out. And the way he deals with it at first is by gathering power to himself. So he like trains really hard at Kung Fu. He um, starts developing these superpowers. He goes up to heaven and just like makes a big mess of of heaven, you know, beats up a bunch of gods. And eventually Buddha uh, punishes him by burying him under a mountain of rock. And he finally achieves enlightenment by becoming the servant, by becoming the bodyguard of this. Buddhist monk who's on his way from China to India to retrieve a set of scriptures. Uh, very, very famous Chinese story. Almost any Chinese person either in China or outside of China will have heard of this story. Mm-hmm. So what the monkey prince is, is we're telling a story about a brand new character in the DC universe who's was the son of the monkey king. Uh, we decided that all of the events of Journey to the West are now canon. And um, our main character's name is Marcus Sun. At the beginning of the first issue, he's just a normal Asian American kid going to Gotham High School. And then he realizes by the end of that issue that he's actually the the son of this Chinese mythical figure.
0: So uh, you mentioned Bernard Chang. You mentioned uh, the artist. You mentioned uh, Jessica Chen, who's uh, the editor. The the rest of the creative team, you're all of of Asian descent. Does everybody uh, have Chinese heritage?
1: Uh, Almost everybody, yeah, it's, in that first issue, definitely, like Sebastian Chang uh, colored it, and then Janice Chang lettered it, but we, we've had other folks since then, you know, filling different roles. O- overall, though, it's been a ton of fun. It's been, a, it's been really fun to just kind of play with these characters that, you know, most of us who grew up in Chinese households like heard about since we were little kids.
0: Well, being that everybody's, uh, of, if not Chinese, at least, uh, you know, Asian, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, obviously the, with the logistics of, uh, you know, creatives and schedules and deadlines, sometimes other people may fill in. But for the most part, it seems like a very personal project for uh, a lot of you, because as you mentioned, Greek mythology, huge part of Wonder Woman and, and all that. And and, and just kind of Western myths really are what a lot of the this, these ideas, you mentioned North mythology, the idea of, uh, you know, Superman and, and what have you. A Thor. But you guys are really bringing in that Eastern influence and that's your heritage. How much does that, that mean to you as a creator? It, the, the very first conversation
1: that the three of us had, uh, Bernard and Jessica and I, we, we talked about how we first came to know the King story, you know, and it really was for our parents. So it's very personal, very much tied into our own experiences within our own families. Uh, Jessica actually watched the Monkey King show when she was little uh, I, I saw some Monkey King cartoons I read some Monkey King comics and so it, it comes from a very deep place you know, like Bernard talks about how uh, his dad would tell him these Monkey King stories and when he's working on this comic he remembers his, his dad's voice you know, he remembers those stories from his childhood
0: so the other aspect of it is, uh, you know, for me, as I said when, when we first started talking about this, is being introduced to this mythology that I'm not familiar with. So my next question is, how is how exciting is it for you to, to share with people, you know, more of Western heritage these myths because there's it's so rich and it's the world feels so big and epic. Uh, and spoilers, everybody, for the the latest issue that just came out this last Wednesday, we get a glimpse at the end of the Monkey King himself. So perhaps he'll he'll make an appearance, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But how how exciting is it for you to be bringing this mythology to people who haven't been exposed to it before?
1: Yeah, it's it's super fun, but it is also a challenge. You know, I, I think um, when you grow up with the Monkey King story, there are certain things that you just kind of take for granted. So, for example, that the Monkey King's best friend is this pig. You know, his the the Western translation of his name is he's pigsy, Uh but in Chinese his name is Tuanjie. And a monkey and a pig, I think to to Westerners they don't seem like animals that are supposed to hang out I think if you were coming at it from a Western angle maybe the monkey would be hanging out with like a like a like a tiger or something you know mm-hmm. um, so for and a, and a pig might be hanging out with like a like a goat or a horse mm-hmm. so they, they're like in, for Western kids they're in two different categories like when you're playing with toys you know you never have like a monkey toy next to a pig toy right? For, for a Chinese audience, it's just super natural. Like It's very a very natural pairing to have them together just because we're so used to it. Um, so there are challenges like that where uh, in some ways it feels like we're educating our audience on um, how all of this stuff works. So that, that's been like multiple discussions between Jessica and Bernard and me.
0: So have you heard reaction both from, from people who are familiar with the story, maybe people of Asian descent and, and are are they excited to see these mythologies in the DCU? And then I'm curious if you've heard from the other side, you know, more people like me, they're like, Hey, thanks for doing this. This is interesting. This is something really new to us.
1: Yeah. I've heard both of those reactions. It's been really gratifying. There, There are people who are like the creative team who grew up with these characters, um, who, uh, who are really excited to see them folding into the DC universe. And then there are other folks who are just really interested in learning about mm. the mythologies of other cultures. I mean, one of the things that I'm hoping will happen is, despite all the surface level differences, right? Like, like I think the Monkey King um, feels very different from, like, uh, Chinese god. I'm sorry, from, uh, from, like, Greek gods or Norse gods. Like, the way he looks, everything just feels kind of different. But I hope that as we get deeper, we'll be able to see, like, the, the, the reader will be able to see the underlying commonalities. I, I do think that stories that last, you know, regardless of what part of the world they're from, they tend to hit on certain common themes. So I hope that'll come out as well. It's sort of like you tell a story that's very different, but... Um, but one of the benefits of that is you end up highlighting commonalities.
0: Yeah, and I think you've already su- succeeded. Let's get a little deeper into the, the story of, of Marcus himself. Uh, and a- again, you know, pulling so much from the, the myth of the, the Monkey King in that book, Journey into the West, which, yeah, maybe the sensibility is more, you know, Eastern, more, more Asian, if you will. But really, when we talk about ideas of self-acceptance and identity, that's something that's very relatable and then to specifically talk about the Monkey Prince as a book you know here's Marcus who has trouble making friends because he moves around all the time unbeknownst to him his parents are mad scientists who work for villains I mean everybody struggles it at least I certainly did in high school with identity and making friends and you know trying to find your your place in the world so regardless of what your heritage is I think that's a, a common thing that everybody can relate to um, and certainly your uh, Eisner winning American born Chinese uh, book really dealt with that as well. So this seems like uh, an idea, a theme that you really enjoy. Um, how much are you pulling from your own uh, experiences in your formative years to, to tell these type of stories?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, um, there's, there's this uh, book called Story by Robert McKee. It's a Craft book. It's about screenwriting, and in that book, he talks about how there are these three different kinds of research that go into a story. There's the research, uh, like book research, which is what we normally think of research. There is the research of imagination, where you sit down and you give yourself time to um, just work through like a something imaginative, like a fantasy sequence. Uh, And then there's also the research of memory. So I do think that for both American Born Chinese and for The Monkey Prince. I'm delving pretty deeply in that research of memory. You know, both of them are fictional stories. But as you said, like the, the you know, going to a new school, trying to make friends, that is definitely something that I did when I was a kid. And it's uh, that situation, being a brand new school, being in a brand new environment, not knowing anybody, not totally sure how you fit into this brand new community. I, I think those sorts of moments are so full of, Emotion, especially for a young person, that they end up lodging themselves very vividly in their memory. So I, I definitely tried to draw on, on, on those sorts of moments when I was telling this story. Um, with uh, the monkey print specifically, though, we, we did really want to highlight the overlap between um, these three things, between the, uh, the American adolescent experience, the DC universe and Chinese mythology. We wanted to get that little, you know, the Venn diagram sweet spot for for this
0: story. Yeah, that was actually going to be my next question. If one uh, or more of those were were a challenge because you tie... You have... You and Bernard um, and Jessica and the rest of the creative team have tied it in so interesting. I mean, we see Batman uh, right away, you know. uh, Damien as well. And now we're... He's moved on to Amnesty Bay. I expect Aquaman to show up soon as well. Um, So how much is that a a challenge to to tie in? I mean, it does feel very connected to the larger mythos of the DC universe so far.
1: Yeah, yeah. the, The concept that we're using to tie everything in is from Journey to the West. So in the original... You know, um, novel. Uh, there was this idea that demons wanted to eat the flesh of saints, of holy people, uh, because they believed that if they could do that, it would um, give them immortality. Uh, so we kind of updated that a little bit for the DC universe, so that now within the within the DC universe, demons believe that if they eat the flesh of heroes, if they eat the life energy of heroes, that that'll give them immortality. So then Marcus's task really is to defend all of these heroes against the, you know, against these demons. In the same way that the monkey king in that original story, his main task towards the end of the book, or for the second half of the book, was to defend that Buddhist monk against all these demons who were trying to eat them. Um, We thought that by using this concept the book could serve two purposes. It could either be an introduction to Chinese mythology to a Western audience, or uh, a, uh, an introduction to the DC universe to uh, like an Eastern audience. That was the that was the big hope from the very beginning. And in order to introduce the DC universe, we wanted to highlight all of the you know the major heroes. But, but do it through the lens of the Monkey Prince. Yeah, and again, I,
0: I think it's it's succeeded really, really well. So just a reminder, everybody, the the, uh, the sixth issue just came out this last Wednesday, so just a few days ago as you're uh, hearing this, if, if you're listening to it Friday when it first releases. But um, it'll the, the first uh, six issues, the first arc will be collected in trade soon, and then you guys are coming back later this year for uh, a second arc. Is that right, Gene? That's right. That's right. Yeah. and I would also encourage everybody uh, to go check out the DC Festival of Heroes uh, compilation that came out earlier this year. You guys had a, a Monkey Prince story in there as well that was uh, you know tied in almost a prelude. But here's the other thing that I want to uh, mention about the DC Festival of Heroes, and I'm sure just like you know having a mostly Asian creative team on Monkey Prince, it was really gratifying to see. You know, Asian creatives on this big anthology. But the other thing that I really highlighted is how many heroes, how many characters in the DCU are from uh, that Asian heritage, that Eastern heritage. Um, and I'd like to see more more of, of those type of anthologies. And maybe even if there's future monkey print stories, um, you know, coming out in the future to see him cross over with some of those other characters.
1: Yeah, Festival of Heroes was uh, a ton of fun to do. You know, and I, I grew up in the 80s. I, I think when I was a kid, there's just no way that sort of book would f- exist. You know, part of it is because there just weren't that many Asian and Asian American superheroes back then. But if you look at the history of the DC Universe, you know, the um, arguably, and I know there's a lot of debate about this, but arguably, Detective Comics number one was the beginning of the universe. And, um, and if you look at the cover of that, it, I mean, the, the character that's featured is a straight up yellow peril villain playing <laughs> on all of the fears that uh, Westerners had of the East. So to go from there to the point where the company puts out a book like Festival Heroes, in a lot of ways it does show um, that we can get better. You know, that, that, that as an industry and as a society, there, there is hope for the future, you know, and and I think especially nowadays, with some things feeling so bleak, I, I think that's something that I hold on to.
0: Yeah, and that kind of ties in with the next uh, project that I want to mention. So you kind of brought Shang Chi back for a, a you know modern audience. Obviously, he was in the MCU, and you're it's about to transition from uh, Shang Chi to Shang Chi and the and the Ten Rings. I, I feel, I mean, certainly when that came out in the late '70s and '80s, we had we had come. You know, we had distanced ourselves from that yellow peril idea uh, somewhat that we saw, you know, back in the the, the 40s with Detective mm-hmm. Comics 27. But still, there were some tropes there and some stereotypes that maybe weren't the, the most flattering. Um, and so I know there's a, there's kind of two schools of thought on it. Like, OK, we need to leave those characters in the past and and create new characters. But then at the same time, you know, maybe we need to pick up those characters and modernize them and... You know, and treat them with respect, and treat them the way they should be treated. So, where do you come on on that side of the debate? I, I can see both sides, to be honest. But when I was asked to do, um,
1: you know, when I was asked to pitch for the Shang Chi book, mm-hmm. uh, I thought about her for a while. Shang Chi is not a character that I had a real deep attachment to. In fact, when I was a kid, you know, going to my local comic shop in the nineteen eighties, he was a character that I actively avoided. I loved all of the Marvel superheroes. You know, I love Spider Man, I love Fantastic Four, I love the Hulk. But everybody but a Shang-Chi, like any time I would come across one of Shang-Chi's books in like the quarter bin, I would avoid it because it just felt like if I picked up that Shang-Chi book and I brought it up to the register, you know, I'd be a Chinese kid carrying this book with a Chinese hero. I'd be kind of highlighting everything I wanted people to more about me. And I felt like for me I kind of had to go through like a process of acceptance to my own identity in order to be able to even approach Shanti's stories. Uh, so never had a hard attachment, but his movie had been announced and everybody could see that he was about to become our most prominent Asian American superhero. And I just thought that was not an opportunity that I could pass up. So I threw in my, um, my proposal. And then the editor Darren Shan liked it. So we ended up starting to work together. Um, and at that point I started reading old Shang-Chi books. You know, that, that was the very first time I read any shang stories from the 1970s and 80s. What I found was um, there were some things that were very innovative about those books. I thought um, the creative teams were obviously top notch. They um, took a lot of chances, especially with their storytelling, some of the ways in which they laid out um, the martial arts fights were just breathtaking. Even today, you know, they, uh, a, a lot of the action, the way the action is portrayed, it holds up even like 30, 40 years later. Uh, but I do think that the the, the the underlying problem, I would say, with those old Shang-Chi books is that they do not follow the Marvel way of doing things. I would argue that the appeal of the Marvel Universe is this. like Marvel invites you to put yourself in Uh, behind the mask, in the shoes of its heroes, right? Like Spider-Man is the classic example. Mm -hmm. So so, um, Stanley and Steve Dicko, they show you uh, Peter Parker as he's struggling to pay bills, as he's trying to, you know, take care of his elderly aunt, as he's like repairing his own suit, as he's going to the laundromat. And they show you all these like real world things that Peter Parker has to go through as a way of making you imagine, oh, maybe I could be Peter Parker. Maybe that could be me under that mask. You know, that's a normal human being, just like me. Maybe I could be that too. Uh, And and I would argue that if you look at all of the, you know, really popular heroes, that dynamic is always there. Like Fantastic Four, they might be superheroes, but they're also like a bickering family. All of our families with all this dysfunction. But Shang-Chi, I think, was different. I think Shang-Chi... You were not invited to, to imagine yourself as Shang-Chi. I, I, I would argue when you read those early Shang-Chi comics, um, the characters that you're meant to identify with are like Blackjack Tar, or they're just like the side characters, right. Right? The, the supporting cast. And and really the appeal of the book was almost like, this is the, the word that they use in the in those old books, like you're watching a Chinaman do these spectacular martial arts feats right it's like, like Shang-Chi is less of a three-dimensional character and more of uh, a spectacle um, so when uh, when you know DK1 who is the original artist and Marcus2 who's the artist now and I and Darren when we all talk about our approach to Shang-Chi in a lot of ways it's just sort of like we want to bring the character more in line with what makes Marvel Marvel with with what makes Marvel characters appealing? We want Shang-Chi to appeal in the same way. We want the reader to be able to identify with him.
0: So, really, it sounds like you want him to be a, a superhero first, and an, uh in someone of Asian heritage second. I mean, I, I don't want to diminish, or I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that kind of seems like what what we're talking about here. Is that uh, accurate? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it's. I think it's. Um I think we wanted to be intertwined. I I, uh, I used to teach at Hamlin University. I taught through an MFA program, uh, so most of my students were adults who wanted to write for children or teens. Right? They, they um, the program covered all sorts of different publishing formats. So we had people who were studying poetry, people who were studying um, you know novels, people who were studying nonfiction, and then I got the students who wanted to do graphic novels. One semester. One of my students um, did a literature survey on representation of minorities within children's literature, American children's literature, and what she found was, regardless of what group you're talking about, right, whether it's you know African Americans or the LGBTQ community or Asian Americans, there seems to be a pattern with representation. So in the beginning, there's none, uh, and then uh, then you have representation, but within the representation usually the characters are either um, two-dimensional comic relief or they're villains and then you go through a period where the, the uh, minority becomes a protagonist but the um, the stories are focused on their uh, like their their trials with the trials of of being of that minority Mm -hmm. and I would say that my own book American War Chinese kind of fits in this right and then she says that uh, my student argued that there is a step after that and in the step after that uh, the story is actually about something else you know the story is about it can be a mystery or it can be like an action adventure it's about something else but the culture like the, the heritage of the protagonist is just woven into who he or she is. And it comes out, but it's also not the central focus. I think about that a lot, especially with Shang-Chi. I think about that a lot. I think about how I want his um, asian Americanness to feel natural, to feel like it's an integral part of who he is, it, it affects the story. But then the story is going to be about something else. Like we want the current arc that we're working on uh, that will debut soon. We want it to be about power. We want it to be about the temptations of power. Yeah, and something that's, that, you know, every, every human struggles with. Right. right,
0: about, about. right. And, and I go back and forth on it as well because I think this, you know, regardless of whether we're talking about, you know, gender issues or, uh, you know, ethnicity issues, race issues, whatever it is, I, w- I would like to see us get to a point as a society, as a species where there aren't labels anymore, right? Because we're all way more alike than we are different especially if you want to talk about a genetic level you know like ninety nine point nine 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 nine, whatever percent it is so i want there to not be labels but unfortunately that's not the way that it is so i want it to be equitable as well um, but yeah i mean that would be the that would be the thing to strive for right when you no longer look at somebody and see them as you know african-american or asian or a woman or a man or whatever you just see them as a person Right. That, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and their like their heritage is a part of them. Right. It's right. Like a deep, integral part of them. It comes out in in who the character is. But it, the the story can be about something else too. Right.
0: right. Right. So, uh, but I do want to, one more thing about Shang-Chi. You mentioned the the new arc that's coming out about power, the change in title to go from Shang-Chi to Shang-Chi and the the Ten Rings. Is that really to kind of tie in? I mean, the Ten Rings, I mean, this is a classic, uh, you know, Marvel, you know, weapon or artifact or whatever you want to say Mandarin, classic Iron Man uh, Mm -hmm. villain. Uh, So is it really to... To signal to everybody Hey, here's a new arc Here's a great new Jumping on point And it's going to be Tied into um, You know, mythos Of the past of Marvel
1: Yeah, the, the Ten Rings That we'll be dealing With in this new series Are um, sort of the Comics version Of the Ten Rings That we saw In the Marvel um, in the Marvel movie, gotcha. You know, in, okay, in the Shang Chi movie, and the the manner Ten Rings are still in the universe, but the focus of this series is going to be about these these ten the so other ten like race rings, settings. right? Right. Like right. Ring. Um, and and uh, we we really want to, like we're we're kind of doing the same thing with Shang Chi that we're doing with uh, with Monkey Prince. We're we're using the rings as a way of pulling from another corner of. Chinese mythology, and we're, we're going to bring that into Shang Chi's world in the comic. So we hope that that readers will get a kick out of it as well. It's been a lot of fun.
0: It's yeah, awesome. it's, yeah, it's. It sounds like it. Here's the the other the last thing I want to talk about, kind of Monkey Prince and, and Shang Chi. Monkey Prince, brand new hero that you've introduced to DC Mythos. Shang Chi, you know, even though as you stated, you know, kind of a different type of Marvel superhero wasn't that same kind of put uh, yourself in his shoes, but but still very classic, you know, and there's certainly a a generation of Marvel fans who, you know, love Shang-Chi. How is it? I mean, is that, difference between the two one new one classic has that been uh evident in the response you've gotten like have you heard from a lot of older fans uh, of shang chi I, I have heard from some older fans of shang chi <laughs> yeah for sure uh,
1: i think uh you know there is this this classic supporting cast right there's uh Leiko Wu and Clyde reston and, and blackjack car um uh, that when when uh when readers of a certain generation think about Shang-Chi, that's the cast that they think about. And I have heard from some folks that they were sad that most of those characters have not shown up yet. Right. Like Lakel showed up in the first part. But that was it. Um, and um, and I think, uh, I think in some ways, we needed to establish a brand new reality for Shang-Chi first. We, we needed to give him a new supporting cast. We needed to um, kind of establish a brand new family dynamic for him so we introduced a bunch of siblings for mm-hmm. him. And, and I know he has siblings from the old comics right. but um, but now that he's established with this new art with Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings um, we're going to bring some of those old characters back so in issue two Michael uh, will be back and then Clive will be back and Black Jack Tar will be back but we hope that now that Shang-Chi is, a, is firmly established in this new world um, that um, he will be able to hold his own a little bit better against his old supporting cast.
0: Yeah, and you certainly don't want to, you know, retell stories <laughs> that have been have been told before. Yeah. This is uh, Shang Chi for a new uh, generation. Well, let's jump back over uh, to the other side of the street again as we're winding down here. I gotta ask you a couple questions about your recent Superman Batman run. Oh, my God. It was so fun. It feels like you completely leaned into the comics of your childhood, just big, over-the-top action with this uh, auteur IO character who had, you know, two different versions of Superman, two different versions of of, uh, of Batman and Robin, or, two, you know, two different worlds. Uh, and they felt... Both modern and you know, classic golden age The S on Superman's chest You got to work with Yvonne Reese What was that project like? It just seemed like you guys were having a ton of fun That
1: was so fun It was so fun to do I was so sad to leave that book actually, I actually ended up shooting to leave that book Because of Monkey Prince And I, I had too many projects going on And I had to make this choice between the two But well, working on Batman Superman um, My editor there is uh, Paul Kaminsky He's one of my favorite people in uh, superhero comics uh, I, I jumped at the chance to, to work with him again. And, um, and then he, he brought on, um, you know, that art team. That, that's a, like, a, like a, uh, Ivan and, uh, and Danny are just like uh, amazing. They're absolutely amazing. They're among the uh, most elite who are working in American superhero comics today. So we talked early on about what we wanted to do. And everybody, everybody on the team kind of had this love uh, of the old. I, I actually kind of think in, in some ways, um, like we we become nostalgic in part because the world is changing so fast. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think um, I think a lot of us are drawn to old stuff because of that. So uh, I looked at these old 1940s Batman and Superman serials. We we talked about maybe doing something with that, and I also did really want to play with the form of comics. Something I've been thinking about a lot lately um, is what sort of stories can you only tell in comics? And I'm particularly interested in in those sorts of stories. So even though that book does refer to, you know, does reference these old film serials, I I wanted to kind of use the fact that the story was told on a printed page as, um, as an asset, you know, as an asset to the storytelling. So my hope was, you know, nothing against digital comics. I do read digital comics myself. But my hope was that the story that we created would be best read on paper, you know, to kind of get people to go to the comic shops and buy the paper version. Um, So especially with issue 16, which is the very first issue of of that story, we wanted to make it like, you have to buy this on paper
0: yeah it was amazing and every time we reviewed it uh rocky the the, uh my colleague that does the dc spotlights we would comment on just that design the page design that yvonne used with the film strip you know the celluloid that you would see at times you know burning or melting and uh, you know traveling through it i mean it was just it was inspired so that was something that you had in mind from the beginning or, or the idea of Film strip was something Yvonne came up with, or kind yeah, of yeah, co- that was
1: that's something that we talked about from the very beginning. That was something that we talked about from the very beginning, yeah, to, to do the film strips and to, to have it. Um, we wanted we just wanted to feel like the characters were jumping from one book to
0: another right. one reality to another like in a very physical way you know yeah fa- fascinating fantastic idea of you know these different dc multiverses that are on you know film reels and these cans of film and just just it was so much fun so uh so i look forward to more of your work in the future uh we know we have more monkey prince we know we have shang chi and the ten rings anything else that's coming up that you want to uh, that you can let us know about
1: I, I just signed on to do uh, comics based on a video game called uh, Clash of Clans from a, a company called Supercell. That's been that's actually been a bucket list item for me. I've wanted to do that in, in part because uh, when I was a kid and even as a teenager, I was a huge fan of Carl Barks. You know? Okay, yeah. So what I felt like Carl Barks did was he took these. Uh, these characters from another medium. In, in his case, it was animated shorts, and in the animated shorts, Donald Duck and his nephews are pretty one or maybe two dimensional, right? And then he took these characters and he moved them into comics, and he kind of exploited the strengths of the comics medium to to fill in um, the duck family. You know, to the point where, like nowadays, when you think about the Disney ducks. I would argue even if you watch like a cartoon like DuckTales what you're actually thinking about is Carl Barks' version that he was only able to create within comics so I've always thought about that I've always thought about um, like like using that as a way of leveraging comics strength so I think video games can play that role right so I've, I've actually I actually did some pitches for other video game properties, and, and this is the first one that really came through. And my family, like my kids, are huge fans of Clash, World, Clash, Clash Royale and Clash Clans. so that's what we're hoping to do. I'm working with an artist named Les McClain, fantastic, and, and we want to take these characters that are pretty two dimensional in the in the in the video game, and we want to flesh them out in comics. So, in a way, demonstrating like what comics can do, you know. Um that's that's what we're hoping to do. I'm excited about it. No release date yet, but we're hard at work on
0: them. Yeah, that, that is exciting. I know so many um so many comic creators that have kids too. They they don't the, the fact that they write Batman or Spider-Man or whatever doesn't impress their kids. But when they finally get on something, like I think I, I think I was talking to Scott Snyder um, when he got to do the Fortnite comic, you know, and his kids are like, oh, whatever you're, you know, best selling Batman writer, we don't care. But once he got to do Fortnite, that was like, oh, dad, you're now you're a big deal, <laughs> right? <laughs> so uh, yeah, hopefully your kids will, will finally uh, appreciate what you do. So uh, well, that's fantastic, Gene. Uh, do you want to let everybody know where they can follow you on? So they know when, you know, when uh, Monkey Prince is coming back, when Shang-Chi comes out, when the the Clash of Clans uh, book is is announced. Where's the best place to get news about you online? Sure.
1: Uh, So I have a website. It's my name, uh, just as all one word, G-E-N-E-L-U-E-N-Y-A-N-G dot com. And I'm at that same handle on uh, Facebook, on Twitter and on Instagram. Just my name. No spaces, no dashes.
0: Great. And I'll put links to uh, the website and the social media in the show notes, everybody. So you can just go click there and, uh, and find them. Uh, and lastly, you mentioned something super exciting. Uh, you're going to be at Diego Comic Con just for a, a short period of time. But do you want to let everybody know uh, why you're going to be there?
1: Yeah, I'm going to be there because um, Disney Plus is turning American More Chinese into uh, a show. And we're going to have a small uh, a- event there where um, people... You know who are involved in the show are going to get together. We're going to do that Friday night, so I'll be on the convention floor Saturday uh, during the day. So it's been it's been a ton of fun to work on. They finished filming a couple weeks ago. Uh, I'm so excited. Like the the team that they put together behind the show is. Just uh
0: phenomenal. It's like a dream come true. Now is it live action or, or animated? It's live action. live action, yeah.
1: Live action. Wow. So we got Daniel Wu to play uh Monkey King. We got Michelle Yeoh to play the goddess of mercy. It's uh it'll be great.
0: Fantastic. Uh if you, if none of, if you guys if you haven't read American i can't recommend it enough everybody i always have meant to do a spotlight on it i never have but it goes back to something we're talking about earlier where even though you know it may draw on you know journey into the west this this very classical uh eastern novel the themes in it of identity and self-acceptance are universal uh and there's a reason that it's so beloved and that it, it won the eisner very deserving so i definitely definitely recommend it Thank you. Thank you so much, Chase. Thank you for having me on again. Yeah, it's great to see you. Great to chat. Uh, And, uh, yeah, hopefully, I know you're only going to be there a short time, but maybe I'll run into you at San Diego. Yeah, that'd be fun. So to you listeners, uh, we want to thank you, as always. Don't forget, Monkey King will be back this fall, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings soon, uh, and I'm sure we'll be covering them on our uh, weekly coverage. So, uh, again, thanks to you, Gene, and thanks to all you listeners for taking the time and joining us, and we'll talk to you next time.